Half a day, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Hub. I'm Nestor Lecanto. Today I'm joined by Attorney Vanessa Williams, who is the legal counsel for the Democratic Party. Morning. We've got uh, Dr. Ron McNinch, of course, a good friend of ours from the University of Guam, and uh, another good friend of ours, Sean Gumutata, former colleague here at KOAM, representing um, the Camacho Atta campaign senior advisor. Sure. Good. Good, good afternoon or good morning, everybody. All right. So let's get the discussion started off. I wanted to talk about uh, political fundraising, the climate for it. Uh, the uh, incumbent has the benefit of having known all along that uh, they were going to run for re-election. So I imagine that that campaign war chest is pretty big. Uh, in addition, uh, they got the windfall of the multi-billion dollar federal funding that you could consider part of that political campaign war chest. And uh, then um, Governor Camacho got, I, I believe he came in a little bit later than, than, than typical. So let's talk about, let's start about with that. Um, the climate for political fundraising, how do you, how do you assess that? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll say with the ARP funds, they're very strictly regulated by federal law um, and guidelines, so that definitely isn't part of the, you know, the war chest, so to speak. But, the, you know, the Democratic Party of Guam, they've always been the big tent party. They're the party for working families, they're, you know, they, they fight for increases in minimum wage, access to housing, and really greater equal opportunity for all. And so recognizing that they know that right now, Democrats understand that people aren't really concerned or thinking about donating or making political contributions. They're worried about, you know, how much is inflation going to continue to rise? You know, are we going to be able to afford things? So that said, you know, dollars are uh, sparse. We know that. And I think Democrats are really working hard to stretch that dollar a lot further. And we see that everything from campaigning to fundraising is really going digital. Yeah, and, and Sean, how has the economic climate been for um, trying to raise money for uh, the Republican side? You know, what's interesting uh, is that with uh, with a person who is kind of not an incumbent, you know, you have the kind of the benefit of, of what over what you're the largest cabinet in the United States, right? With the with the, the current administration, and that's pretty much the way for most of Guam. You have also maybe a thousand plus unclassified folks who are also supporting it. When you don't have that, it makes it very challenging in terms of trying to, to reach to others for dollars. And so most of it's going back to uh, the supporters. A lot of volunteers are coming forward, a lot of low dollar perhaps. But then what we're finding is that most of the, the contributions now, they're seeing like, well, how can we help to, you know, we're up against a, you know, a big machine. How do, we, you know, how do we get past that? With no primary, it's a little bit easier. But as we're prepping for the general, it's it, at least as the last couple of uh, weeks are showing us, it's getting more and more. Uh, I guess call it winds at our back, and and monies are now coming in, which is uh, who would have thunk even yeah. in this economy. When Governor uh, Calvo was here, uh, the, our last show, he mentioned the fact that um, there would be some assistance from the National Republican Party. Right. What what kind of assistance is there going to be? Some monetary donations for the campaign? Um, my understanding, yes. Um, it was part of a process to to help write kind of like the the new plan for the party. And so, yes, there'll be monies for uh, polling. There'll be monies for getting out the vote primarily. And so, which is good because in the past uh, the Republican Party uh, or the, the National Republican Party has really hasn't given a lot of uh, funds to Guam. We'd have to pretty much rely on all of our traditional donors and the, you know, obviously the, the big Republican stalwarts are just giving money to help uh, push the agenda. But uh, this is kind of a, 
it's a new time for us, and so we're very excited about the Republican National Committee giving money uh, back to Guam, which is awesome. And you had the the, the national chairman out here too. Uh, that, a that, while that, that didn't yeah, hurt, Rona? right? Yeah, and so then so local Republicans are seeing that hey, the the, the, the RNC is t taking a serious look at what's happening here in terms of uh, what kind of resources they can give, and just asking. And which has been uh, absolutely supportive, and and actually that's what kind of helped spur writing, uh, you know, uh, kind of new plans for the party, and well, it's going to equal dollars, and that's good. Ron, uh, Sean alluded to it uh, that um, you know there there is no uh, primary challenger to the Republicans. Um, is that help or hurt? Do they, should they hang on to their money and start spending it to closer to the, the general election, or or how do you see that? Well, if you're talking about the governor's race, it's odd because in this particular race, all three of the gubernatorial candidates have off-the-shelf earned media. We have a sitting governor, we have a sitting delegate to Congress, we have a former governor. At any point, any one of them can just hang out a shingle to the media and get free media. So that's one advantage, at least from the governor's race side. And so it's a, a lesser thing. I'm, I'm, I, I have been, I've mentioned this in other, other times too, a little bit concerned about how we do the primary and, and, and how the primary dynamics are going out because of the large number of crossover votes in the past that have really disrupted the Democrat side of the ticket. So like 1998, 5% of people voted Republican, 95% voted Democrat, and they totally disrupted the, the Democrat race. And so the when the Democrats spend money in the primary, they have to spend money because of those really weird dynamics that go on. Uh, on the one other thing I mentioned to everyone, on the uh, senatorial side, of course, the incumbents have earned media. But any candidate with well-spent money can get themselves elected to the Guam legislature under ten thousand dollars. It's not as as toutedly high as people claim it is, and we measure this by the number of of amounts of funds that people raise per the number of votes they get, and and it's very very clear. Some candidates have to spend $7 a vote, and other candidates can spend $0.30 cents a vote. And there's really no real connection between the amount of money a candidate raises for the legislature and the approach they use to get themselves elected. How difficult do you think it will be for Mike Sinicholas and, and Sabrina to, to raise money for their campaign? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. But he, is, he does have the uh, kind of, uh, because he's the current delegate, he does have those advantages that come with being the current delegate, just as the, the governor has the advantages of being, being the current sitting governor. And so I don't know, though. I haven't really given that a lot of thought. And then there are all these other dynamics that are unresolved related to all these races that's currently uh, everyone's talking about on both sides. Right. And, and so I think both of y'all could probably compare notes and see you believe in similar items like yeah. that. Uh, Vanessa, Ron brought up media. Um, and so I wanted to see what you thought about uh, uh, traditional media and uh, versus uh, social media, which is where it's headed. I, I tend to think, and I might be biased, that the traditional media is still very effective, you know, radio and TV. Um, what are your thoughts on that in terms of um, getting the word out in a campaign? I think traditional media is still effective, but I think that's a um, credit to how traditional media outlets have integrated with social media. And I think uh, um, you cannot underestimate the power of social media because you've got to remember most um, adults now, or at least half of them, are digital natives. You know, Gen Z, they're parents. Millennials, we're pushing 40, you know, um, or we're 40 already. So, um, and we, as digital natives, we understand and we kind of speak the language on 
social media and can really see through the lines and through some of the spin and um, you know assess the credibility of people who are campaigning on social media. So it is re pretty powerful. Plus, you have that organic growth and people you know see something, they like it, they share it, they and those are endorsements. You know, you have influencers in every other industry, and now you're seeing influencers in the political space. Yeah, Sean. You know, um, I said it on this air. I've said it multiple times throughout the last cycle. I mean, if you saw what happened with um, in the last delegate race when, when Dr. Underwood, who ran perhaps probably one of the most textbook campaigns ever, he lost because of social media primarily. He did the door knocking, he raised money. Uh, Delegate St. Nicholas didn't go anywhere near territory. He had a lot of uh, great images of ice cream eating and popcorn serving and won twice. So. We cannot dis, uh, discount the power of social media when it comes to political campaigns because pretty much we saw it, all of us saw it firsthand, that, that even the, the best ground game could not be a social media game that was pretty much, um, we, uh, we've all felt it wasn't untested, but it was a big deal. Okay, uh, I'm going to get to you, Ron, but we've got to take a, a quick break and we'll be back with uh, more of The Hub. Don't go away. All right, welcome back, everyone. When we left off, we were talking about social media versus traditional media. We wanted to get uh, Dr. Ron's uh, input on that. Yeah, the other day in class, one of my students said, "Wow, you know, my skills are like boomer level," and I'm like, "What boomer level?" You know, they're they're like, hey, "Boomer." Not, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, and so suddenly I've realized that there's like this view among young people generation that they use. It's kind of interesting, but I think in general. Um, skills are adaptive right now, and, and people everywhere are learning how to how to use these technologies. And we're learning; people are learning to interface with these technologies in different ways. But I have to say, for Guam, nothing beats nothing beats us sitting right here talking to each other in person. And you'll see that at fiestas, you'll see that at these individual levels. And so I agree that that, that Mike did a great job on the social media side, but. I think that because of COVID, people have a deep down yearning for that personal face-to-face -face talk. And I think that's going to make a, a big point in this election. You know, I, I asked my students uh, last semester at, U at ULG, because I teach communications there, and I asked them, where do you get your, your information from? And 99% of them all said they got it from social media. They did not go to your newspapers or the, the um, you know, I'm not, we're, we're on KUAM, the other uh, radio stations, they, they all said they get it from social media. And I was like kind of stunned for a moment because I asked that question every year for the last decade and it's progressively got, uh, it was used to be a newspaper, used to be a television broadcast like KUAM, and now it's completely almost all social media. We're on touch on it and I wanted to just get there real quickly. Um, pocket meetings, um, still important, critical? Um, well, Yes, uh, but then when you look at it uh, today, it's, you know, it's, remember, uh, politics is always about a game of addition. So when you start seeing at these, you know, things now, are there the same people or are you bringing more people? So today, right at this moment, at least in, in our case, uh, we probably won't see any of those until probably the general. And I think that they are still important, but they come at heavy burden to like people who are hosting them, the campaigns that are trying to get the word out. It's big cost. Um, and hopefully the yield is going to be absolute votes. Yeah. 
What do you think? Oh, I think pocket meetings are absolutely still important because this is the flip side of social media, right? You have some candidates who only use social media and what, you know, they filter what they'll respond to. And really you, now you have this ethical concern with about your transparency or whether you're really fit for the job. Can you respond on the fly and have a genuine, authentic conversation with someone? And um, so when you have pocket meetings, I think, yeah, you see a lot of familiar faces at these pocket meetings. I'd say about half, right? But then you have the, the other half who people who are genuinely interested and want that face-to-face time. So, for example, if you look at um, the the sitting governor's team and their pocket meetings, they invite all of the the candidates and any Democratic Party candidate, any, like even both that are running for Congress, will have have spoken at the same pocket meeting and they get that face-to-face time, not only the platform, but then they can speak to the half of the people are there and have a genuine conversation. And from there, you have a multiplier effect. You know, this was the, the that you have on social media, which amplifies you know when when you do it there but at the pocket meeting you get like 50 or 100 new faces and they go talk to their cousins and their aunties and their grandmas um at the kitchen table and then you get the word of mouth out there and people really want authentic you know and ron i don't mean to make you the msn representative here but um he's he's had like a, the, the cotton candy thing that he's he's been doing sure i think that uh novelty is always good and but you see what he's doing when he's doing cotton candy things is he's getting kids excited so then the kids talk about their parents. One of the key things I don't see Candace do a lot here, and we'll see this election, Candace now can get individuals to take selfies with them so then you have the synergy of the personal connect to the social media connect. And so there's a lot of neat opportunities and he he did some of that with the cotton candy effect. That is, he encouraged people to take selfies with him which then translated into more social media hits which then translated into more people talking about these things. So it's a kind of interesting uh, a novel approach. And I, But I think that the key thing is good candidates are going to look for these novel approaches and they're going to try new things and uh, not just relying on, oh, you know, I, my name and people know me. That doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about how national politics influences local politics, if at all. And right in your wheelhouse, Vanessa, <laughs> uh, the big issue nationally has been abortion. What is its impact here? Um, Well, I mean, you've seen the impact here. It was literally cut and paste from Texas, you know, and here we are. And really what has become a dominated uh, party of Trump, the Republican Party. And so you have some Republicans who... I suspect may have gone rogue <laughs> and then and grabbed a couple rogue Democrats and they introduced this bill. So unfortunately, we still have a lot of Guam listening to the national conversation. So yeah, I think it's really infiltrated, but the response, you know, it, ultimately it's Guam voters who vote on it. The response has really been local. So um, you can see the disconnect there because when you had the, when um, you had senators who sponsored and had a hearing on the um, bill that was cut and paste from Texas that was was anti-choice, anti-abortion, you had like 80% uh, of the testimony against the bill. And we're talking a thousand people submitted testimony. And so over 800 um, were against it. So, uh, you know, I think that the parties, it would behoove the parties to understand, you know, that maybe right here on the ground isn't following the national conversation all the time. And we don't necessarily need to follow the national political playbook to address what the current needs of Guam are, you know, when you have um, just real crisis for women and children. Um, 
here right now, you know, the highest uh, uh, poverty rate, um, infant mortality rate higher than any other state in the country. Um, and women and children more likely to be abused and assaulted um, than anywhere else in the country or like second highest in the country. Okay, I've got to squeeze Sean in here because we're running out of time. But but we have a clear distinction here. Uh, the Governor Leon Guerrero clearly um, pro-choice. Uh, Governor Camacho clearly uh, pro-life. I think MSN and Sabrina are split. Uh, I think Mike said he was a, a pro-life and Sabrina is pro-choice. What kind of an impact is that going to have? Um, quite frankly, I think the the, the national or the national discussion on it is, is probably less important than the current economy. I think that most of us will say that when you look at what, is, what means the most, I don't have my wallet right now with me, but if I had it, I can show you, it is the pocketbook issues that have become the most important issues for the community today. In, in America, yes, of course, uh, that's also the same. And the whole issue of, of life and, and choice is somewhere around, you know, third or fourth priority, but we, we have to remember as a community that th those are important because it's going Im to impact locally, right? What happens at the White House will trickle down to the state, um, to the state for the most part. And I think we've seen it throughout the pandemic. We've seen it with a lot of the programs that have been uh, launched uh, with a um, Democrat-led Senate and a Democrat-led House um, and White House, obviously. But yes, it, it, it should, but I think community needs to be understanding it more of it more today. Okay, I'm telling. I'm told I'm, we've got to take one more break, so we're going to do that, and we'll be back to wrap up the show uh, right after this. Don't go away. <clears throat> All right, we are back with the last five minutes, so let me start with you, Ron. Um, Michael's, Congressman Michael San Nicholas uh, did his uh, speech. A lot of were saying that was more of a campaign speech than a State of the Congress address. What were your thoughts? <clears throat> Every speech any candidate makes, regardless, they don't care how far away the election is, it's a campaign speech. And so I think that, and, and people are going to make any kind of political angle they want to out of it. He's going to promote best thing ever, and his, uh, de, uh, his opponents are going to promote worst thing ever. So that's pretty much how I viewed this speech. And, and the time really didn't matter, and the, even the content didn't matter for the most part. It all deals with how people translated it. And people will translate these things in different sorts of ways. It doesn't even matter what the reality of any elements of the speech were. It's all in how people perceived and translated. All right. 90 seconds, Vanessa, your, your, your reaction. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people perceived it, including myself, as a lot of finger pointing, which was a little disappointing. Because, um, but you get that with every election, right? You have all of the Monday morning quarterback, or armchair quarterbacks, <laughs> who are like, okay, this is what I would or could have, it should have done, right? Um, but... At the end of the day, um, what, you know, there are people here, including myself. I'm raising my two small girls. I'm just, you know, they're they're growing up quickly. I want to know what are we going to do right now? What are the solutions? Let's stop with pointing the fingers. Tell me how you're going to solve the problems. I want specifics, you know. And to just say, oh, we're going to do better, or look, you know, we need to take on back, or we need to do, you know, um, revive something. No, I want to know going forward. What are you going to do today so that the life for my kids is going to be better ten years from now? They're going to have more money in their pockets. They're going to have more choice. Choices, you know, and they're going to have more opportunities. And you don't think he did that? Huh? You don't think he did that in his speech? Uh, no, absolutely not. All right. John, 90 seconds. <laughs> I'll just say this. I've helped write eight State of the Island addresses for a former governor, yeah. and I expected a lot from his speech. I, I think he led a lot of people down, this whole entire community, with his approach. I think that the, the speech did not address his major issues that he covered because, quite frankly, if you, if you would have known about it for the last 12 months on this air, on other uh, other platforms, print, 
we would have known those were. So all of a sudden, all this work came out. We're like, oh great, that's good that we know it now. No, it was absolutely a. I wasn't a big fan of the speech. I thought his approach was terrible. Um, I think his uh, Vanessa's right <clears throat> that he pointed his fingers too much, and I think that just not what we expect of our uh, delegate to Congress. I think it was just a bad speech. Okay, we do have a couple of couple of minutes. One minute, about a minute left. So let me ask you. Uh, uh, there was a, a photo on um, the Governor Camacho's Facebook page sure. with uh, former Senator Frank Uggen. Um, does that mean Frank Uggen is supporting Governor Camacho? Uh, yes, I think they were waving this morning somewhere else in Guam. I think that maybe uh, Adolfo Palacios too was uh, at a function last night that said, "Hey, by the way, we're we're supporting uh, Guam and we're supporting uh, the." Uh, Republican candidates. I think that I know it's getting that groundswell of support from different folks across the entire spectrum. And yeah, it it, it looks like an endorsement to me. And I don't know if you guys drive by Jonia, <laughs> the big uh, big sign that's on that's his. That's a little out of the way for me, but no. yeah, but yeah. but yeah, it's also kind of telling, right? At, at his property, yeah. Uh, Ron, you've been you've been saying this all along that um, the Democrats are their own worst enemies at times. Uh, sure. Come these elections, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, we have a, a very interesting Democrat party here, but we also have some interesting Republican dynamics. This is a really fun election, <laughs> especially if, like me, I'm, I'm just interested in watching to see how these folks battle things out. And there's a lot of little battles going on here, and you can see it when you start watching for it. And you know, even and and even some of the things Sean's saying. It's a battle between among the Republicans. Some of the things that Vanessa saying is a battle between among the Democrats, and then they have their mutual, you know, areas that they contrast with. So I think this is going to be an interesting election. All right, Vanessa, you're going to get the final word. Um, what is your thoughts on the impact of Frank Uggen Jr. kind of? Uh... You know, that's what I love about the Democratic Party is we're the big tent party. So we have people from all walks of life who di passionately, passionately disagree on some things. You know, you're seeing it right now on, on the choice issue, right? But at the end of the day, what Democrats want is to make Guam better, you know, and, and equal opportunity, dignity, access for everybody, you know, and really support the working class and working families, you know. So we know where their hearts are. All right. <laughs> At, with that, uh, we're going to close out the show. I'm Nestor Lincondo. That's Attorney Vanessa Williams, Dr. Ron McInch, and Sean Gumontato. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next week on The Hub. Let's go, Brandon.